Folks, if you like good old-fashioned true crime mysteries, if you like stories where you feel like you're a detective finding clues, June's Journey is the name of this new game that you can play on your iPhone or your Android. You are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder. It's this well-to-do family in the 1920s living in a great Gatsby-like mansion. Each scene uncovers new aspects of the story. Some parts are in New York, some parts are in Paris. There's all kinds of objects you're finding and trying to assess whether they're meaningful or not. You collect information, filling out your own photo album, and you're keeping track of all the characters. There's romance, there's scandalous family secrets. It feels like a really fun play or movie. And I've only made it through like five scenes, but I am told you could crack the case. All you need is an internet connection and downloading on iOS or Android. So discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey folks, this is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from the earlier years of the podcast. This week we wanted to celebrate that our friend Shane Torres has his new comedy special, The Blue-Eyed Mexican, coming out on YouTube. So look for it, The Blue-Eyed Mexican by Shane Torres on YouTube. And today we're listening back to this story that Shane shared on Risk for the first time in July of 2017. Here's Shane now with the story we call Dad Shelter. So, <laughs> I, I'm a comedian, so I had to take all the punchlines out of this. And when I did that, I was having Mexican food and I started crying over a burrito. So if I get a, a little fucked up on this, <laughs> it could be worse, is what I'm telling myself. So, when I was 15 years old, I had to move my father into a homeless shelter. And I think to like have the best grasp of this story, you'd have to understand what kind of person my father was. I would say my father was a good guy, but not a good man, if that makes sense. Like, he had a lot of trouble meeting his responsibilities towards his family and anybody else, really. Uh, yeah, that was a joke. Uh, <laughs> You laugh like a bully's friend, by the way. <laughs> Get him, Doug. Uh, still trying to keep it loose. Can't do it. Got barriers up. Um, so we had, uh, we'd lost our house and my folks' uh, divorce. And my dad got an apartment and my mom somehow managed to scrape together enough money to get us into a house in our neighborhood. So it was the summer after they divorced and I was standing outside of my mom's place having a cigarette. I was cool, and uh, I was enjoying my camel, and I'm a brand loyalist. I, uh, 
my father pulled up in a Plymouth Acclaim, which is a weird thing to name a car that got so little of it. Uh, <laughs> and it was just fucking floor to roof just piled with all of his shit. And he gets out of the car and I say, Dad, what's going on? And he just goes, plain as God's thumbprint. Shaney, gotta move into a homeless shelter, could use another pair of hands. It's like, fuck, that's how you're gonna say it? And I know most divorced dads would take their kids to a movie or like a Cowboys game, but he was on a budget. Uh, so I says, okay. And we, I'm from the south side of Fort Worth, Texas, and we get on I-35 and we head north to Lancaster Ave. And uh, Lancaster Ave is like one of the shittiest parts of town. There's nothing but homeless shelters and addicts. It looks like a poverty grenade went off and everybody threw themselves on it. <laughs> it's fucked. Yeah. And uh, pull up to the shelter, right? And it was fucking huge. I, I remember how big it was. And go in, get his key, and uh, we each have an armful of his shit. And we're in the elevator, and we take it to the top floor, and my dad was in the penthouse. And, <laughs> and we're like walking through, and there's all these like, homeless guys walking out of the showers and towels and stuff like they're all named the general you know they're fucking crazy looking and we get to my dad's room i say room but it was really just four pieces of plywood they were about eight feet high and just kind of like sectioned off in what more or less would be a warehouse space where he's in there and it's like a little bit it's like a third of the size of this stage he's like all right i'm gonna organize my shit you go downstairs and get some more of my stuff. And I was like, okay, I love you. And he was like, just go get my stuff. And <laughs> I go down to the car and I have like some old records of my dad's and uh, I get in the elevator and I'm by myself. And I know y'all can't tell now, but when I was 15, I was fucking cute. Like rosy cheeks, a lot of curves. <laughs> like a young Christina Hendricks. And I, <laughs> And I'm standing in there, you know, cute as can be, by myself. And the elevator door is closing, right? And like out of a movie, the most hairy knuckled hand I'd ever seen in my just <laughs> And in walked a man I can only describe as having one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel. <laughs> Just, sweater of life is unraveling. This dude, <laughs> fucked. Just, I don't, like, beaten, you know? And in a voice that made Johnny Cash sound like Vincent Price, <laughs> he just goes, you're kind of young to be moving in here on your own. <sighs> to which I replied, oh no, no, I have a home. <laughs> and look, I didn't mean it like that. I know, because when I saw his face, 
really hurt his feelings. It's like kicking something down a flight of stairs and there's more stairs than you thought. But I wasn't gonna like hug him or anything. And I'm like, all right, we'll see ya. You know, and walk out with my Linda Ronstadt records and um, I get back to my dad's room and like I can hear him crying and I say I didn't want to embarrass him so I said pop here I need you to help me with the door I got too much stuff and so you know his face is all puffy and shit but I didn't you know and I kind of was thinking like why would he probably just didn't want to do that alone it's a shitty thing to have to do. So, like, I have some perspective on it now, but I didn't then. And um, eventually, my dad moved out of the shelter with two other guys. So imagine Animal House as a drama. <laughs> or the funniest episode of The Wire. And... <laughs> So, the first, he's like, hey, I'm out of the shelter. Come over and see me. Uh, and I was like, all right. And I drive over, and I have my little brother with me. We're pretty close, so I'm kind of feeling protective or whatever. So I don't know these fucking guys. And I get over, and I knock on the door. And who do you think answered? Because it wasn't me, and it wasn't my dad. And there's only one other person in this story. <laughs> so this is not some dude I had crushed, but my new Uncle Tommy, who used to be a meth cook for the Hell's Angels. And the other guy, this is where it gets weird. <laughs> Was, he was mentally unstable and he had like a vocal impairment like he could speak just about like this much you could barely hear him and everything he told us about himself hand to God was a character trait Steven Seagal held in one of his movies <laughs> uh, so we would be over there and he would just be like you know I used to be a Navy SEAL but now I'm a cook and you're like my wife was killed by a crooked senator and you're like, fuck. <laughs> it's like me and Kurt Russell saved the president. <laughs> and he kind of looked like him and shit was weird. Um, but my, uh, my dad had to move out because Tommy started cooking meth again in a three-bedroom apartment. Uh, <laughs> These guys didn't own anything, and my father didn't have much, but he had more than them, so he was taking all the dishes and everything out of the living room, television, all this shit, and as we're... I guess the real tragedy of this story is that I'd had to help somebody move twice. I, um... <laughs> but we're moving all this shit out, and uh, Tommy, he stopped my dad as we're getting the last box of stuff or whatever. And Tommy just stops him. And this is, is actually the saddest thing I have ever heard. He just goes, Simon, could you leave me a spoon? <laughs> Fuck. 
Now, y'all may not have a lot, but you probably have a spoon. (sighs) Fuck me up. But eventually, my dad, he got his shit together, got a job, and met a wonderful woman. She lived three blocks from my mom. Uh, So just, you know... What? And, uh, you know, things went pretty well for a while. Like, he, they were married. He had a house with her. They traveled. And then uh, about 12 years later, he had a, a stroke. And, uh, you know, how those go. Fuck you up pretty good. And we had to put him on hospice, so we couldn't, he wasn't coming out of it. But uh, he, that happened. But not before him being so broke. My father never met a dollar he couldn't spend. Uh, They were so broke by the time my father died, he had to sell their grave plots. So he kind of ended up homeless anyways. Oh, I lived it. And some of you were like, well, clearly you cremated him. Yeah, that's true. But some of you were like, well, your father was a great wanderer. Where could you have possibly spread those ashes? I'll tell you. We kept them. And then when my grandmother, my father's mother, when she passed away, we put his urn in her casket. So he kind of just moved back in with his mom. <laughs> Thank you all very much. I'm Shane Torres. I appreciate it.